Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 All right, a little bit of a mix-up here for the introduction after coming off a win a couple days back over Jeff in a match play high-stakes game worth $20. I also won the rights to do the intro, so welcome uh, everyone to the Break 80 podcast. Um, the trio is back, myself, Mike, and Jeff, uh, and this week we're going to be my baby, the Live Tour. We're going to be talking about them, maybe not first. But they are in the agenda with a lot of new announcements, a lot of speculation, obviously our open recap as well. A really eventful British Open. Going to go over a little bit of TPC Twin Cities, the possibility of a little breakdown of Jeff's and Mike's match with Trey and a little bit of the 3M preview. And then we're going to be wrapping up with Mike Welch, the 3M Open tournament director. I hope you enjoyed that, Tim. Uh, just know that you're. Is, how does it feel to already be peaking? I feel like you're at your peak already. It's and it's, we're only in July. You know, it's uh, it's kind of the perfect time. It's it's right in the middle of, of the dead center of summer, and uh, Mike and I have our next round in the what the Twin Cities Golf Match Play oh, yeah. Four Ball event coming up. So um, we'll we'll see you here soon for to make this three and one. For those yeah, of you that don't, for those of you that don't know, this is like Godzilla and King Kong here going head to head. Just two heavyweights <laughs> of the golfing world going head to head. Just two poor I, handicaps that keep showing up. And yeah, the UN, <laughs> UNC versus Duke, just the new rivalry budding. Can't wait. <laughs> well, let's get into it, boys. The All Open, right. Mr. Negative. Here we go. Can, can I start with my take of the Open? Yep. First of all, I will say I enjoy watching the Open. I've always enjoyed watching the Open. I like getting up early. I think we talked about that in last podcast. It's set up perfectly for somebody that likes to, to get up, not have to wait for golf, not have to hang around the entire day to watch it. So that's the, that's the best part of it. Um, outside of, obviously, that the golf is fun. There's different shots that have to be made that you don't see every week. That's fun, too. But I have to start with this. Um, I thought personally it was a, a pitch and putt. I mean, I, I, I really felt that most of the course um, kind of blended in, you know, a lot of every other hole, eagle putts. I think people were driving holes 7, 9, 10, 12, 18. I mean, the list goes on and on, not to mention the two par fives are very reachable. So that's right there you know, seven, I don't know, five, six holes that are, you know, have Eagle putts on them. And I just felt like it wasn't the, the open championship that I was hoping for. Obviously, you know, weather plays a factor on that. Um, if it's not windy, the course was going to be gettable. My question is, you know, with not much weather, did they want it that firm? You know, did they want it to where every ball runs out to 300 yards with an iron? 
I mean, cause that's kind of where you're getting to the point where it turns into a pitch and putt, you know? And um, I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't as interested or invested because every time I looked up, somebody's driving a par four, you know, it wasn't just the big bombers that could do it. It was basically nearly everybody in the field able to do it. And that kind of, you know, just made it not as exciting. I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll give you that, Jeff. Uh, I expected a lot more fairway bunkers hit than happened. I was going to mention see that, a, yeah. We didn't see a lot of guys getting into trouble off the tee very often. A lot of carried fairway bunkers and a lot of really missed hazards just because of the length of the golf ball. What they should do, if they want to keep the rota, the rota is to start getting out hickory sets like myself and friend of the show, Zach Senfish do. And uh, make the boys play with something a little different and keep keep it a challenge out there on these on these courses. I could um, get on with that. They have I'm to play pretty, with I am pretty sure back in 1997, young Jeff was sitting at his on laying on his couch <laughs> watching Tiger shoot 1800 at the Masters, saying, "This is bullshit. I'm sick of watching this. <laughs> nobody should be nobody should be hitting nine well, in the par fives hey, and blah blah." Well, like, I'm pretty sure, Mike. I think you had a gripe about the U.S. Open scoring. Yes, I do. I, I like, like it. Too. It was too like, high. I'm not. I am, I am in no way saying that I like 20 under. Um, I will say I, I played, I played the old course in August. I was there mid August and it was pretty firm just for regular play too. Like, I think it just, that's kind of how it always is this time of year. You're getting drier conditions, less rain, but it just needed the win. I mean, that's all it needs. If you look at British open scores, you go back um, to, let's see, I got it here. Hold on one second. There are, there are a lot of times they're like this. They're not uh, last year. Colin Morikawa shot 15 under. Um, it was canceled. Another 2020. Year no wind again. 2019 Shane Lowry at Portrush, which looked hard and in a little bit of weather, someday shot 15 under, uh, yeah. you know, Henrik Stenson shot 20 under at Troon. It, it just, Tim is right. I love this. Tim is right. I the, love the, this. They're old golf courses. And you can, they've, they've, they've stretched the old course to the max. They have, they have tee boxes in, in other courses and all over the place. The technology has went far and beyond what some of these golf courses can accommodate. And, and they're never going to not play at the old course. I mean, or a lot of these courses over there, but that, I think that's just golf in general. Like you look at the U S open um, Gary Woodland in 2019 shot 13 under Kepka shot 16 under in 2017 rory shot 1600 in 2011 i mean that's a shitload of birdies and stuff for a u.s open uh so i don't know even augusta the to dj shot though, 20, 20, under, 20 under in the 2017 fall 2020. was aaron hills though yeah aaron hills but you look at augusta 18 under reed 18 under speed 16 under phil 18 under tiger there's a lot of majors that end up being like that just because of the technology and how fucking good these guys really are they're so good yeah, and, and I and I know the course, you know, Matt Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick talked about it. You know, they really set pins in some really tough spots right on the top of Swales because that was their only defense this week. Only I mean, honestly, like Tim said, like I I was watching for somebody to go on all these bunkers everybody talked about all week. Hell bunker, principal's nose, and it's just like nobody's ever in them. You, you know, need Cam, the Smith had, Cam Smith had the one time where he had to do the, you know, put his legs in there, and, he, and he, I think he got a double bogey. That was fun. Maybe a gorse bush here and there. You know, but really overall, there wasn't, you know, the, the the carnage. And I love going out down the wind, but, oh, the last nine holes, you got to come into the wind. You know, it's like fe feast or famine on the front nine. If you don't get it, buckle up for the back nine. You know? But, yeah. again, 
that's always wind dependent. So I don't know. That's just kind of something that I've enjoyed of the, the open. And I can't, you know, can't control weather. Can't turn on a fan, can't turn on the rain. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Just as a viewership, I love the course. I, I just didn't think it was viewing. It was as fun as it potentially could be. And you're right. Probably weather was the reason. You got four days. Go ahead, Tim. It's a of the PGA Tour, though, too. They, they're picking dates specific to when the weather is usually best. And, of course, they're going to get less breezy days. They're going to get warmest days. They're going to get the most temperate days because uh, they have to bring a fan base out, and they have to cater to the, the players. Um, yeah. We're about to see it again at the 3M. I mean, they could have played the 3M in May, and it would have been absolutely miserable, cold, windy as hell, and brutal out there, and guys probably would have won with 8-9 eight, eight, over. And now we're going to play it in 90 some degree heat with low winds and people are going to tear it up. You, you got, this was really abnormal. You had four days. There was, there was not much wind. I know it was some days up to 15, but that's nothing for out there. You had four straight days that didn't have a lot of wind. One of the practice round days was blowing like hell. Tiger hit six iron into one of those uh, par fours that hit like Daniel drove the green in the normal round. So that's where the, yeah. all that, uh, that's where all the bunkers and the gorse come into play is those years where it's really windy. And that's when usually the guys don't just bang driver them; they lay back just to stay away from the bunkers. Um, almost came the most famous bunker almost came into play. We'll get to that in a little while here, but um, yeah, I mean, the course was, it was, it was set up easy, like 29 guys shot, whatever, under 70 the last day or something like that. Yeah, or I guess the course wasn't set up easy. The wind and lack of wind made it easy. But at the same time, I don't know. Rory played pretty conservative and it didn't pay off. And, and Scotty well, Scheffler shot 74. I mean, Scotty, I Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler shot a lower score in the Masters. He won this year 10 under than he did this week, nine under. Yeah. On, on a winless, on a winless St. Andrews. I, I just know. remember often guys would hit a drive and they're just like, oh, that's left. And where is it? It just kind of scoots on, you know, misses a bunch of bunkers by a lot and just kind of settles in somewhere. And the and the and one of the things too, the the fescue was pretty dry. Yeah, and that, that didn't really nice. that that was so you know, and again, that's kind of the time of day or of the year, but you know, fescue wasn't really a factor. I love when they have to just hack out of that thing and their club when they when they get through it has got tons of grass on it. Like that's I I like opens like that too, where they or they don't want to go in the fescue. Like they had no fear of fescue. It was just only just stay out of the bunker. That was their only thought. So Jeff, are you more of a fan of Renaissance club then during the Scottish versus what you saw with the, the British? Well, I I'm just saying like one, I, I like where a double bogey can come into play. Like I just never thought anybody's going to double a hole. Like, yeah, bogey, because you know, it might be a tough, it's on a swale and it might not release how they want it. But I'm talking about like the leaders. It's like, if you don't make birdies, you're going to lose. And it's like, Whereas, whereas a lot of times it's like, don't make the big mistake. And 17 had that allure, you know, had that, had that thing, you know, some things looming, but outside of 17, what hole they scared of? Yeah. Nothing without the wind really, but Renaissance club had wind. Like the Scottish open had wind the week before. Oh, they had a ton of wind. They had yeah, a lot a of wind. wind. You know, that's if, if, if you have wind, if you had a bunch of days of wind, the winning score might be 10 under, you know, something yeah. like that. Maybe, maybe even, maybe even less than that. Because the wind brings big numbers, like Jeff said, brings big numbers into play. If you if you saw, you know, that's where the, that's where the TV they're constantly talking about the ferry bunkers, and you can't hit it in this one, and nobody hits it in there, is because if you do hit it in there on a windy day, you are going out sideways most of the time. It's very penal, and it's almost a guaranteed bogey. But that's that's where the weather was. It was still super fun to watch, super exciting. 
one of the more exciting, thrilling majors in a while. I thought anyway. Well, yeah, you had to keep up. I mean, it was yeah. make a putt or you're, you're behind. And that's what it was. So, well, that was kind of my soapbox, but I, I still enjoy the golf. I mean, I think the leaderboard is awesome. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, you look at the, the official world golf rankings of the people that were in it, they were legit golfers. I mean, it definitely found some of the best players in the world. So you can't argue that. I mean, it, it did, it did, you know, bow it to the best players, but I'm just saying overall the, the viewership at times kind of lacked because of those reasons. Cam moved up to number two in the world rankings, by the way. He's anyone just saw him beat up after after getting up at four thirty to five every single morning though. And all I know Thursday, I've been Friday, so tired. Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> how, about this, be- how about this world ranking nugget? Cam Smith goes up to two. Tiger Woods dropped out of the top thousand. Tiger wow. is now Tiger is now the let's see, I got it here. The I believe one thousand and like ninth ranked golfer in the world right now. Who would have, even a couple of years ago? Who would have ever have before the car accident? Who would have ever thought that? Well, what is the? I mean, honestly, like the way that he got, he should be playing in that. You know, the tournament that's this week. It's like the disability. I mean, he's literally his leg is basically a disability, is it not? Oh yeah, I mean, it's I mean, bad. he just he's playing golf on one leg. It's I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Beat, he could beat Phil on the Champions Tour. Before we get to Cam and Roy and all this, let's talk Tiger because he didn't make it to the weekend, but yeah, he'll be back. You could tell. He, yeah. I know he was crying and he was emotional, but he didn't stop and do the whole Arnold and Jack wave for 10 minutes and all that. You could tell he's like, I'm coming back here. He thinks he's going to do it. Will he? I don't know. What a walk. What a walk up 18, though. Walk was sweet. I, I took a video of that just in case that was his final competitive walk down, down 18 at the old course, just because of how sentimental it is. I mean, that was one of the, the winds of the ages back in what? 2000, 2000, um, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what, this Tiger Slam. yeah, he definitely did not. Uh, he did not reel us in this time. You know, when he double bogeys the first hole, you know, and basically everybody else is looking at birdie and then he bogeys the next hole. And it's like, he definitely didn't like, oh, Tiger's at minus one or two, or he's, you know, he's going, he's, he's, he's hanging. It was definitely, he doesn't have it this week right off the that, bat. That was such a terrible fucking double. Like, I know you drove it into a, into a divot there, but just, just hit it long to the back of the green. How many times has Tiger Woods hit over a divot in his career? A fucking hundred thousand yeah. times. Like wh- just get it to the back of the green, two butt for par and move on. Like what in the world is he doing? That was uh that was kind of a sign of things to come in my opinion right yeah. off the bat. But and he didn't he didn't really get his mental game back. Felt like you know the, the yeah. world's against me off of this divot and ho hum and just uh ground himself down and that is not normal tiger. When's he gonna play again? His own event in the Bahamas or whatever in the fall? What the hero? He's got his own event. Yeah, he's part of that whatever event in the fall, but yeah, I don't know. That was a bummer. I thought I thought he'd make the cut. I truly, truly thought. He knows the way around the golf course. It's pretty flat. He I, he could hit iron, but again, those guys are hitting driver when he he yeah. wasn't hitting iron. But he needed weather, didn't he? Maybe now looking back, maybe he needed some weather. He probably needed. Was, I don't think he wanted a twenty under week. No, I don't know. He would have felt that in the leg. He would have known that storm was coming in with all that <laughs> titanium. <laughs> he would have yeah. got struck by lightning. It would have just radiated down his leg. 
Uh, I mean, that's well, I'm sure that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll kind of go into hiding for a while here and then we'll hear kind of what his what you know he's not done. He's definitely said that, but uh what his plans are. How about this? Okay, we had 54 holes of golf. It appeared to be a two-horse race between Rory and Victor going into Sunday, correct? However, yeah. that ended quite quickly when both Rory and Victor weren't getting much going and then Cam Young uh, Cam, Cam Young, well, I should say late, puts on an explosion, but Cam Smith just goes goes uh, buck wild and like he does. And uh, we have ourselves a ball game. Let, what, we, that? what are we Let's, saying here, Jeff, that uh, Rory should join the live because he'll win a, a, a 54 hole <laughs> event as a major. Well, he'd be, yeah, he'd he'd be been, out of gas. He would have been tied. Live probably does. They just probably say that's a tie. It's okay. It's an exhibition. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I think we, should, I think we got to discuss this, like cam instead of going by player, player we got to go like cam and Rory together because there's an, anatomy to how this happens i think rory went into that round you could just tell he was playing very conservative you know he was he he didn't he did not challenge any holes early hardly on the first six holes he hit four wedges and a putter for a second shot uh, and and didn't get anything out of it so i i just think his mindset probably he's probably thinking it's match play with victor hovland anyway Right, because yeah. you're four clear, like that's a so he played kind of like Tiger used to play in majors, you know, just ho hum it around, you know, hit it to safe spots, get it in play, get Come after the par, get after the par fives, and somebody's gonna have to beat me. The difference is Tiger would make some of those putts, you know, he Rory didn't make anything. I, I feel bad for him almost. He played, I thought he played spectacular at TD Green, he hit it great, he was never in trouble. He didn't make a bogey for Christ's sakes in the final round of a major. He just did. did it was, it was amateur hour. It was amateur hour with the putter. 34 putts. Correct. Around. That is, that is a bad amateur right there. Uh, you well, know, he leg putted great. He, anytime he had a long putt, it was right next to the hole. He just did not make some of the ones that you got to make. But part of that's being conservative. Like, I don't know. Some of those holes when he's like 40 yards away, you shouldn't have a 30 foot putt. He's trying to hit it to those safe spots just to, you know, to bleed well, out the field basically and just bleed out the whole thing till it's over. And it's just, and he got caught. He got caught by a hot golfer. Well, think of it this way. Okay. You're Rory McElroy. You have probably what four par fours that you can reach off the tee in one. You've got two par fives you can easily reach. If he just pars the other ones, that's, you know, you're thinking already that's four or five under, then somebody's got to be eight, 10 under to even have a chance to beat me, you know, mentality wise. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what he was thinking. He's like, I'm, I'm going to get the ones that I, that I can get. Everything else would be added bonus. If I yeah. can just put them on the greens and two putt, maybe I'll make a bomb. But is that really a, a bad way to think? I mean, I don't think so. I... Never step off the gas. Here's what Come I on. think. How, how would you coach? Never step. Well, well once you st- sometimes when you do that though, then you then you make the dumb mistakes, and then all of a sudden now you're you're kind of reeling. Your heart rate speeds up. Okay, I can just bogey a bad one. You know, you get things kind of snowball from there, and it, that can be also a a tough thing to come back from. You just had the feeling that he went into the round going to play very conservatively, and you're right, thinking that somebody's got to come catch me, and it's almost like. When, when somebody did start catching him, he didn't adjust soon enough. Like he kept, everything kept being very conservative, hitting it, you know, 30 feet, like, and, and we'll get to some of these holes here in a second. And, and Cam Smith 
outmaneuvered him. He Cam, Cam Smith had a better strategy for some of those golf holes than Rory did. And I'll go through them in a second here. But like I thought, like even from the beginning, one was a tough pin to get at. Everybody's kind of hitting a little bit long. Rory had a putt, you know, he hit it long, passed the left on the edge. I thought three was a big one. Hole three, he had like that eight footer for birdie. If Rory makes that one on hole three, you know, you have a, you have the crowd there. 99% of them are just waiting for him to win this thing. They wanted it so bad. There's little kids there and everybody's there. That place would have went bonkers if he would have made that putt on three to take a lead on Hovland or, you know, seven. He didn't nine hole nine. He parred nine. I mean, he parred, he parred 12 and 14, 14. Come on. There's a, there's a decent chance that a lot of scratch golfers could have made birdie on 14. The whole damn field did almost raise your hand, Tim. <laughs> we would have, we would have birdied 14. No. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe not Guaranteed. in that set. Maybe, maybe not in that <laughs> setting, but like. My putter was pretty red hot. He uh, needed that. He needed on the so. front. He needed on the front nine, a couple of those putts to drop and the place to go wild because that's when he, you know, like after he made that bunker shot, which by the way, was the only bunker he hit in the whole, the whole tournament yes. on Saturday, he had that, the place went crazy. He had that pep in his step. And that's when he is the man. He's the best player in the world when he's, when he's bouncing around out there, you know, just kind of going with going after things. And he didn't do that. He didn't yeah. do that. And it's like, like the, it's a gladiator theory, you know, win the crowd, you win your freedom. I mean, just, just do something to get everybody just jacked yeah. and then his bounce just elevates for sure. And I think to me, um, you know, what was he up? Was he up three at the turn? Had cam caught him by like, three, was he up three at the turn? Cam was down three after nine. He said yeah, cam, did, cam didn't do much on the front nine either. You know, he didn't lose it obviously, but he shot what 34, which is good, but that's kind of like the standard score on the front nine for everybody. And then it turned. And I don't know if Rory adjusted that well. You know, 10 cam birdies. Rory was it five birdies 10? in a row, right? Five in a row. I thought to me, the key hole was 11. Because 11 was a tough pin. It was back there. If you watched it, I watched it. I watched it all morning. Every guy in 11 did what Rory did. They hit it like 35, 40 feet short of the pin and took their two putt bogey or two putt par. And Cam went after it. Now, I suppose he's thinking he has to at that point, right? Yeah. You know, like, like, but I don't, I don't know. That's not how he plays, man. He's a, he's a swashbuckler. He's like, he's like one of the modern day, like Sevies. Like he goes after it all the time. Like look at the players when he was had the lead and he hit a punch into the water. I know. Like still, still still got the for the that's what he does. Side. I don't. Yeah. He, he is, he has that winner's, a win at all costs kind of mentality. And that's how he plays. And, and I think, you know, and I think 11, that pin was way back there. And if you went long done, you know, a death and nobody, nobody went for it hardly except for Cam Smith, basically. And part of that is probably, you don't, if you are world-class putter and chipper two of the golf ball, you probably have a little more confidence to go for things. Right. Cause if you get in a tough spot, he's so good, but uh, that was big. Rory, Rory just played it safe, made a par, and Cam made birdie. And then what did he birdie? 12, 13, and 14 was a swinger, too. Like Rory made par on, on a par five where you're easily, everybody in the whole field's getting there. There's no trouble up there. But Cam Smith was smarter. He played the hole better. 
he hit it long on the second shot. You can't do what Rory did. Rory left the second one short, and now you got to try to come over that big swale where all Cam Smith had to do was chip it back up the hill right to the hole for a tap and birdie. And Rory had a crazy shot. He had to try to pull off, you know, over some swale, and he didn't do it. Like, if he, if he if Rory hits it past the hole, past the green, just hit it long, he makes birdie there, more than likely, like the whole field did. That's what they were all doing. And uh, he didn't. I don't know. I, well, and, and Cam kind of did that on Friday too, right? I mean, he was the same way. He just gets in that mode. I think he's got a gear of gear that a lot of golfers don't have. It's the, it's, it's such an elite short game that like you said, like he can be ultra aggressive and he doesn't even care if he, if he misses it. Cause he's just got so much confidence in the short game. I mean, I think the guy had 20, 25, one putts all week. Um, he, you know, I just, he can, he just makes birdies like nobody. I mean, he's a birdie maker. He just makes birdies. I mean, his putter is just so much better. He was obviously first uh, or number one strokes game putter this week, obviously, but um, yeah, he just went bananas and Rory can stop it. He well, was look uh, at Saturday though. Saturday was a, a mediocre putting day for him. Yeah. He eclipsed 32 putts yeah. on Saturday. So there's, there, there can be the talk of what Rory did putting wise, but Cam had that same day and outperformed the day before. So the putting, the putting stats are a little bit deceiving there though, because the greens are so big. Like, yeah. you know, Rory had 30. It's, it's my one shot to get 18 greens in a rag. Yeah. Rory had yeah. 30, Rory had 36 putts, but Rory didn't hit anything close hardly. Like he had a couple of chances there with like eight footers he missed, but most of his birdie putts are from 30, 25. You know, they're bombs. He just didn't hit it very close. He didn't play very aggressively, but yeah, you're right. Cam Smith, man, that when he's going like that, that hole must seem so fucking big. Like I, I want to know like what a, he sees. Does he see a red line on the green? Does well, he just, I they know asked they, they that. talked about, they asked him, they asked him, they said, what do you think about? He's the only thing I think They're about is I work, in the, I work in the mirror. So I just worry about my setup. Yep. I get set up. I just look at the hole, I visualize it, and I let it fly, and that's it. Like he keeps it stupid, stupid simple. He yeah, and he's, he said he said I visualize it bleeding, dying in the hole. That, yeah. That's why he, that's what, he, what he's pausing for that long. When he's looking, he's like I'm getting a mental picture of it going in the hole. Uh, I have that same putting mirror, by the way, that he has. I have the uh, the Cam Smith endorsed putting mirror, which I should maybe get started on. I don't think but, does, it, does it give you a mullet? Does it, no, does yeah. it like yeah, you really get the mullet really around the mullet going. But I have that putting mirror. It's collecting dust currently in my basement. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I want to point this out real quick. When you were talking about Rory's putting, he had 39 straight holes of two putts. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's good, right? At, at a course like that, no three putts, but also, but not good. yet there's so many birdies being made. That means you're only, you're probably two putting for a birdie. That's just, that's what his two birdies were, were yes, eagle yes. putts, you know? So I, I think a lot of it goes back to his mentality of playing it conservatively and somebody has to catch me. And then when he started getting caught, he didn't adjust till it was too late. I think he, there were, there were holes like, I don't know. I mean, by, by hole 12 or 13, you have basically been caught, you know, what is he, what is he up by a stroke or two? And that's close enough now where you need to start pressing the issue a little bit and make a birdie somewhere. And he just did it. Didn't do it. But um, that's what we see every like. It's always the leader that just can't quite play loose. They they don't want to, you know. And 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 Cam Smith did it at the Masters, did he not? Yes, he did. He I struggled, mean, he struggled there. 
I, I it's it's just you know if, if you get Cam Smith or Rory a couple shots behind and they can just freewheel it, danger. You know, and a lot of times that's how somebody wins. They just go hot. They get in the clubhouse. But like even even on hole sixteen, hole sixteen, Cam Smith changed his changed his. You know, a lot of times these pros will stick to a game plan. You know, the whole round. I think Cam Smith changed his game plan. I don't know. Cam Smith on 16 hit an iron, like a five iron, they said. Well, you know, he was way back there, but he was on the right side of the fairway where Rory and Cam Young bomb driver on the left side. And that pin was tucked left. And they only had like, what, 40, 50 yards. But you have no chance of getting it anywhere near the pin. None. The best you're going to get is like 30 footer, you know, for, for birdie, where Cam Smith laid way back with an iron. And he actually had a birdie putt. He just missed it. But like he he was, he played a, not everybody remembers all the putts made. He played very smart, like a super smart round of golf to get to that point. And even the putt on 17, and w- which oh, was amazing. I've been in that. I've fun. literally, when I played there, I was, the pin was that pin. Cause we were all talking about the cares. Like, Oh, this is the Sunday pin. You know, this is, I'm like, this is awesome. And then of course I chunked my second shot up there from the fescue short. I was in that exact same spot and like almost identical. And you're sitting there looking at it and you're like, you know, for just an amateur like us, uh, how can I chip? There's no, how can I get this close? So I chipped it like, you know, right of the bunker. He putted that thing. If he would have, let's say he toes that putt a little bit or something and it comes off funky, that thing was not that far from going into the bunker. I mean, that could have legitimately rolled into the bunker. Um, so that was pretty, cra- that was pretty gutsy and ballsy. And then he made the 12 footer or whatever afterwards, just, just balls of steel on that guy. Yeah. And then just gets the easy birdie on 18. 18, yeah, it. which oh. just rips it up by the green. How which... good was 18, though? I mean, oh. Jeff, your, your negative talk of the course, I understand some of it, but 18 is a finishing hole, a, 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 a drivable finishing hole. Oh, Amazing yeah. fireworks. The and only the, thing and... I, I like to see more of is I want to see the pin a little further right. I want to see that out of bounds come into play. And the and the view from the tee box was awesome that camera they finally angle got the, the camera down yeah oh man that was down. awesome with the buildings in the background like what a setting yeah it, the, it's kind of shitty I, I like cam smith i really do it's kind of shitty he made that par on 17 because if he bogeys there rory would have birdied you know rory was trying to make that last shot yeah. he even said yep, he, he could have leg put it up there and, and we could have had a three-way playoff that would have been sick uh but he made that big freaking putt on 17 and you know what like i don't to sum it up for those two, I don't think Rory gave it away necessarily. He shot two under, of course, it's probably playing like a par 68 because this was pretty easy. He just, he played well. He didn't make any putts. He just yeah. played very conservatively, like super ultra conservative, I think. And it bit him in, it bit him in the ass. I, I do hope the narrative when it's all said and done for history purposes is that Cam Smith wouldn't want it. He did. Yeah, you know, like sure. that should be the narrative of this. Like Cam Smith played one of the best rounds in major history. And, yeah, and that's kind of where the focus should be. It shouldn't be on Rory, you know, blowing it or whatever. It was Cam Smith that went and got it. So I hope that's kind of the narrative, but it's going to stink for Rory for sure. One of the greatest back nines ever. 30. Same as Jack in 86 at Augusta, 30. Um, Phil shot 31 at the whatever open he won there you know that was a great back nine epic back nine by cam smith and not just the birdies the par on 17 um fabulous golf let's close this out oh go ahead tim um out of curiosity mike did you tally up how many uh 
of those Bailey's Irish creams and coffee you had throughout the uh oh god the I don't even know those. mission accomplished I bought the big giant <laughs> I, bought, I bought the gigantic one and I you know I was drinking I drink a lot of coffee anyway but I'm sure I was drinking three pots a day on Thursday <laughs> through Sunday uh, more than likely three three two to three for sure like full pots like I was up at four every day just pumping coffee and coffee just, and just Irish cream. nothing Jeez. like mixing an upper and a downer together just starting <laughs> yeah. the day off no, it, just, it just levels you out you know it, just levels oh, you out. it leveled me out for Stone Ridge drink it all morning went to Stone Ridge shot even, <laughs> shot even par you know what boys just, I got one more question gotcha, gotcha. one more question before we leave the Cam and Roy topic okay I want to I want to ask you guys out and right now where it sits player of the year Scotty or Cam hmm Scotty I think by a little bit only if Cam Smith beats him in some of these FedEx events, assuming he plays the FedEx events, I think then it goes maybe Cam. I'm, I mean, Scotty's got one more win. Cam has the Cam the on the players and, and the main major. and open only happened. Well, he did win yeah, a, a WGC Nicholas. though. Well, if, if Cam comes over to live and then actually gets into the highest paid purse events <laughs> in, in golf history, there's going to be no question. It's going to be Cam Yacht or Cam Smith. Yeah, we'll I think that's about, a good debate. We'll talk about living in a second. We got to run through some of this leaderboard. Okay, let's go down the leaderboard, and we have to talk about my, you know, adopted child, my boy, Cameron Young. Who, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, when was I calling for Cameron to be top ten in the world next year? Maybe like back in April or something. I don't know. It's been a while, but. The boy can play. The boy can play. Yeah, you did make that call. I what think a rags, what a rags to riches story there, too. Just <laughs> the, the wallows of uh, Sleepy Hollow golf course. Yeah, just tough tough times growing up on Sleepy Hollow. I, I don't think he's going for your adoption bid. Maybe like, you know what? That basement looks real nice, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to live it up here at Sleepy Hollow. But he made seven birdies and an eagle, and you, the finish was awesome. We were sitting at the bar. We were sitting at the bar uh, drinking beer at Stoners before we played. And I told it was Patrick and Zach. And I said, I said, he's going to drive this green. He's going to make a two. Put a little pressure on Cam Smith. And fucking rights, he did it. He did it because he's a stud. He's the man. I think he's legit good. He's got a great presence. You know, he just kind of walks around. He, um, I also think he could be a big, big, big piece to the pres, uh, President's Cup Ryder Cup teams. But, you know that's kind of getting dissipated as we speak with, with live going on. I don't know how that's going to all end up, but it's from um, the American side. He seems like he would be a great, a great piece. Uh, he, he's hitting the ball. Well, putting well, he drives the ball a ton. Um, his, I think his tempo is one thing that a lot of younger players could probably watch that little pause that he takes. Doesn't, you know, get too quick in his transition. I also was, you know, I think he bogeyed a couple holes early in both weekend rounds and he bounced back right away after those. He, he gets a little yippy at the putter. Yeah. He missed a two footer for par on one yesterday. He missed a two foot putt. Otherwise he'd been in the playoff and he three putted nine. I think he bogeyed nine. He made two bad bogeys. Otherwise he's 21 under and he shoots 63. Um, but yeah, I think he can play, man. He, he rips it, just rips it off the tee. Like he was long, long. He was that one. He drove on 18, you know, like Cam Smith had a good one that rolled up there and Rory. I don't know what the hell Rory was doing. He didn't even come close, but Cam Young just damn near flew it to the front. He bombed it. Um, you know, yeah, he, he, 
doesn't he remind you of like a young Dustin Johnson or something? He kind of walks around. He's kind of got, he's got kind of got a little swagger too. He doesn't say much. Just kind of, I don't know. He's very quiet. Like, I don't know if he has superstar like energy or personality maybe. Cause he doesn't really, he just yeah, kind of goes about his business. Yeah. But he's really, he's, he's good. He's damn good golfer. He's going to make some waves here the next, next year or two. I'd have to imagine his interviews are going to be a little better than DJ's though. Yeah. Maybe a a hair more IQ, maybe just a little, maybe just a little bit, like maybe just a bit. At least teach you some vocabulary in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, seventh off seventh ranked off the tee this week. Just, just behind Rory was sixth. Yeah. They, I mean, I just think usually the putter leaves him a little bit, but he he played great he shot 64 the first day and 65 sunday he bookend 64 65 on the bookends for cam young yeah he's fun um, to watch too so i i want to bring up uh the, the two boys that have not been on the leaderboards for majors often if at all and that was uh vic vic hoven and, and cantley this week they both kind of got in the mix obviously victor was heavily in the mix cantley was kind of on the heels there um at least they kind of got a, a, a little bit of experience and you know, maybe this is their stepping stone for the next, you know, Cam Smith, same thing. Remember, it took him a couple of times to get in the mix of, of majors. And maybe, you know, they start, you start seeing their names on, on major leaderboards after this. Something about watching Victor Hovland. Every time, every time he's in the lead and I watch one of his tournaments, something about that dip in his swing just prompts me to show up at the golf course and stay low through the ball at impact. And I just start firing off rounds. So huge ah, Hovland fan. I like to watch girls golf before I go play. Tim wants the, the big dip of Victor Hoffman. <laughs> Dude, why, uh, women's, why women's golf? So you can hit I'm trying to shorter? get tempo. Tim's trying to get ripping the hips through it. Yeah, one, one way one. <laughs> um, obviously, Vic, Victor shot 74. So he, he really struggled in the limelight on Sunday. And, and Saturday, he hung in there with Rory. He was in the final group uh, Saturday, too. But, but uh, just didn't have the magic on Sunday. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see him again sometime. I don't know. Yeah. He'll, I could see him. I could so see him winning a major one day. He's a great ball striker, great ball striker. And actually he puts pretty well too. He can't chip with the shit. He's like the worst chipper in the history of the PGA tour right now, but um, he'll win one day. I don't know. Maybe it's Oklahoma state thing. They don't win majors. Oklahoma state guys don't win majors. I don't know if any ever have, you know, like how do you recruit there? How do you even recruit to Oklahoma state? I don't know. Uh, they've got a great course. No, they do. They're one of the top college players, but they yeah. literally have like no major winners have come out of there. I'm looking at the list of Oklahoma State golfers right now. I don't see a single one that's won a major. Of wow. uh, that, that's great. Uh, that's great retu- recruiting recruiting ammo for uh, Oklahoma. And a fantastic course, though. Yeah, like, uh, one, the rest of, of them, one of probably the best courses that that a program has outside of what Michigan or Ohio State. What does oh, Pepperdine yeah, play at? Pepperdine plays it. That's Malibu and okay place to play golf probably, but um, Oklahoma state's a top five college program usually. And they have no, yeah. I'm looking at the list of players. Like there's nobody have, has won a major. I don't think so. If, if anybody's thing- listening out there in the college golf world and they want a guy, you want to pay him a little bit of money. I can work from here in Minnesota and I can just send out sabotaging social media things about other programs. I'm your guy. Like if you're, if you're Oklahoma, just like, we got to pay this guy. He's just going to dig up a bunch of dirt on, on Oklahoma State. <laughs> for the uh, for the listeners, Mike is a an educator, so he really knows how to bring kids down. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of bringing bringing kids down, the Live Boys showed up top ten. 
DJ and Bryson. That was kind of, I did not expect that. I'm not, not going to lie. I, I, I don't know where Bryson's game is at. He kind of seems like he's injured and then he's back and then he, you know, but he played solid on the weekend. I don't know what he shoots 66, 67. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something like that. He was great. I, I actually, like, I don't like Bryson. Like, he's so unlikable. What? He, he just had the cameo on your favorite TV show. Yeah, that show that Jeff liked. Uh, what the heck's that show on, on it's Amazon Chris Prime? Pratt with the uh, the spy stuff. Yeah. Oh, the uh, Terminalist. Yeah. 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 Was in there. Yep. Yeah. But, like, he's kind of – the whole long hitting thing is worn off, and he's a slow player, but he's kind of fun to watch. I don't mind watching him play other than the slowness. He's just such a tool bag everywhere else. He's must watch TV, whether you like it or not. Like you yeah. just kind of want to watch him either lose his mind on something or figure out, can't figure out the science behind the shot he has to hit or, you know, something. There's always a time a out on, on this one though. It, Mike and I went and played heritage. What on, on Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. there was a group of about seven, eight bros just hanging out. They had their, uh, their foldout table on number 17 at heritage and they were <laughs> hooting and hollering and, talking to everyone coming down that fairway cheering or jeering and uh by the time we were up there i think they were already significantly drunk because they were playing as some new game that that i'm not even familiar with some quarters game but yeah, i feel I like had bryson been in our group i don't know having he a hell of a time though he would have driven the green screamed out loud ran over there had a beer bong with the kids and <laughs> jumped back in Probably. the car i mean the guy or, or had a chocolate milk bong maybe chocolate <laughs> milk yeah yeah, does Bryson drink? I don't even know. He sounds like a little boring. I don't um, know. His, his muscles would metabolize it immediately. <laughs> um, DJ just kind of lost his his touch on the greens. Is really kind of sloppy on Sunday. Uh, he he played pretty solid for three rounds, though. Yeah, I thought he was pretty. He, he played pretty well. You know, he back from the dead a little bit. He hasn't done shit forever. Yeah, but, uh, played well. Yeah, Gooch Gooch had a couple of good rounds there. Was was. Kind of towards the top of the leaderboard for a hot second. Answer was up there. So Liv showed well. This is their best showing by far. Liv, Liv did show. In fact, I was a little scared on uh, on Thursday. They were really showing well. But Westwood and Poulter and all those guys were. And Casey was going low. And and uh, the Liv was. I mean, was they've strong. got they've got Trump Bedminster coming up here soon. So they really wanted to they want to play an easy course to get ready for. Just an elite level course. Trump bad, Mr. Gross. What a shitty, what a <laughs> shitty venue. Like, come on, come on, Liv. You got you have unlimited money, and that's the best you can do around there is Trump Bedminster. Go good I'm God. Trump go buy Brown. Pine Valley. Just go buy Pine Valley. I guess we forgot. We forgot to point out uh uh Tommy Gun. Yeah, Fleetwood. Tommy Hell boy, yeah. fairway Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how he could. I mean, I think everybody this week was fairway Jesus with how easy it was to hit it, but Maybe but, he's uh, back. He's played well two weeks in a row now, but again, can't win. So yeah, maybe he's back to old Tommy to slide into the top five, just quietly kind of slide into the top five of the major. Never, never once in four. He was never a factor at all in four rounds of actually winning, but he ended up he ended up in fourth place. And by the way, it was my Tommy pick. Fleetwood. That was my pick. Yeah, we gotta talk about your real pick. All right, this is yep. I'm 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 excited for this. The Golden Child. Here we go. What are your thoughts? Um, disappointing. Uh, and the reason why is because he did hit the ball very well. Uh, he was top 15 overall tee to green on every statistic. Um, but he ranked 53rd in putting and 54th strokes gained around the tee. It, and that's, 
what he's been known for is just his short game, right? It's like, it doesn't matter where he hits it. He's going to get up and down. It doesn't matter. You know, he's going to make a par that nobody else thinks he can make, but he was just awful around the greens. And it was just like, it was hard to watch. He would just yippy a four footer. He, he put seven. I think he put like a drive to like six feet. He had like a six footer for Eagle. Didn't even touch the hole, you know, immediately walks out of it. You know, it's just like, there's just something yippy and, and like, you know, you get, you get him in that position in 2000, was it 15? It's just like, you just know it's in. It's kind of like the Cam Smith vibes, you know? It's like he gets on a heater and so it doesn't matter. It's just like, it's like Steph Curry he steps in the gym and he's in range already. You know, it's like, but you just, he still will make a bomb from here and there, but it's just inside 10 feet. I think he'd rather be at 15 feet than he would be at five. Yeah, you're right. He's, it's a, he, put, he putted in 2015 like Cam Smith putts now. So it's a cautionary tale for Cam, if you're listening, Cam. I'm sure you really are. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> but, uh, but um, oh man, you know, first of all, Under Armour. How do you expect your guy to have any swag out there? He wore a hat. Somebody posted on the internet. They had a picture of of a 2014 major, and 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 this weekend, and it was the same hat from eight <laughs> years ago. He Is wanted to bring the vibes back. I'm going to I'm going to rant on Under Armour every freaking week that he plays until somebody listens to me and does something about it because it's embarrassing. But I think Jordan Spieth is entering the Rory territory here. Rory has not won a major for eight years. Rory this year was the best player in the majors by far overall. He beat like what did I see today? Ninety-seven point. Five percent of the field this year in majors. He's the only one that had four top tens. Um, but he hasn't won. Jordan Spieth has not won a major since 2017. He only has four top tens in the last 16 events. The same as Rory had this year alone um, for majors. So he's kind of he's kind of wandering a little bit like i don't he's so weird he's bizarre he plays well one he's got zero consistency whatsoever he's just a bizarre golfer to me but i mean he played well shit he shot he was it's not, it's not like he was terrible it, we, he wasn't no, like he, in justin thomas territory he got t8 he put the ball in play i mean he, he had the, he had the one shot where went to the gorse bush and he couldn't hit out of there but he was in play he hit great iron shots he hit off the tee well, he just, there, for whatever reason, there's no magic. Never got up and down when he needed to. Didn't make the putts when he needed to. And he still finished, you know, top eight. And it's just like, if he just had any sort of old form with the putter, he would have made a charge. He finished uh, one shot ahead of Saddam. <laughs> who? who came out of the, who came out who? of the hole, came out of the hole in the ground. And he shot seven the under yesterday. Hole? Huh? The old spider hole. Yeah, the spider hole. <laughs> Saddam, <laughs> Saddam shot uh, eleven under. Hell yeah, seven seven under yesterday. So good Wait, for we him. Better, we we better play nice. We're trying to get our live sponsorship. Yes, I forgot. For those well, listening, live credentials. Actually, live would love it if we were bashing Saddam because they're like oh, yeah, compete. They yeah. were they were competing factions back in the day, Saudi Arabia and Iraq. Anyway, excellent. Before um, we move topics, anybody else you want to touch? touch oh on? yeah, oh for sure. Tyrrell Hatton. My We're boy. not going to go down the entire list, though. Just no, no, no. no. I, got, I, I, okay. just have, I just have okay. a couple. Just a few. Okay. Tyrrell Hatton. I picked him. I picked him as my middle middle of the road guy. He finished uh, T11, 11 under. Got completely fucked by Taylor Gooch. He could have. We could have been talking about a Tyrrell, a possible four person playoff. You never know. 
But if you if you don't know the story, apparently, uh, and no, he would not have got the twenty. But he apparently in round three he got paired with Taylor Gooch, of course, and Taylor Gooch must have been playing ungodly slow, which is just a recipe for disaster with Mr. Explosion, Tyrrell Hatton playing with him. And apparently for multiple holes, Tyrrell Hatton was like waving RNA people over and they were, he was explaining to them why is he taking five minutes to putt and just having meltdowns with the RNA guys, I guess. Uh, and kind of blew up in round three a little bit or whatever it was around. Yeah. On Saturday, didn't play great. Uh, I think he shot, I think he shot one over on Saturday in that round or even par or something like that. He was seven under. Yeah, he did not play well. He did not play well on Saturday. Um, and he got back to 11. I don't know. Adam Scott was up there. He was all the way to 13 under at one point. Yeah, he lost his ball in a hole. Like he just lost. He lost his ball. He he was like four under. Lost his ball. Had to go all the way back and rehit. End up doubling it. Then he doubled another one. And he parred one that he should have birdied. And so he just kind of lost. I think he lost his team after he had to walk do the walk of shame. What was what was that putter he had? Because it looked like. It was a small children's toy that you'd fit into one of those sets I, where the round peg doesn't fit in the square peg. And then there's a, yeah. a I don't know how he puts with that thing, but he, you know, that is actually, he, once he started, he's putting okay with it. I, oh my God, it looked terrible. Yeah. It looked like a cross it uncomfortable, it. looks horrible, but he just it, somehow. It looked like somebody folded origami into a uh, old Seymour putter. It but, just but looked terrible. Remarkably consistent. That was his 85th straight major. Like he, you know, he's, He's pretty good. I, he's better golfer than his dresser, that's for sure. Uh, he had this, some, some remarkably bland outfits. By the way, today. shout out to Adam Scott. He reposted the yeah. The vids, so we, we can't rip on him too hard. Shout out. Just I got to give him a shout boring, out. All beige, all gray yep. one day. He, but he was uh, not scared to put that out on his social medias with my with my beige yeah comment. I do like Adam Scott, true gentleman of the game. Adam Scott, proper proper human being. I like Adam Scott. Um. We got to talk Scheffler for a second. Two over. Yeah. Who saw that coming? He was the one guy I thought would maybe have a chance to catch going into the day. Because who saw Cam Smith getting that red hot again after he didn't play well Saturday? Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. That was bizarre. That was not the finish I thought from him. From him. That was your guy there, uh, Timmy. Yep. I still I can't wrap my mind around how jo- or how Justin Thomas is not a good links player yet at these things. I don't. He's a great iron player. Um, not a great driver of the golf ball. It gets a little wild at times and an okay putter, but like, doesn't it seem like when you watch him play in the wind at the players and like, doesn't it seem like this sets up perfect for his creativity and hitting shots mm-hmm. into places. Like it just seems yeah. like it sets up perfect for his game and he just can't figure it out. I don't know. He was like my biggest disappointment, at least of the Rob, guys. Rom's got to be up there too. Rom did his, not play well. What's his deal? I don't Actually, know. Actually, I was, I, I showed the boys this whisper rock. He was a plus 9.6. 9.8 or something like that. He is now soft capped at Whisper Rock. He is now a plus 6.6. So even in his hard life, he's wow. not playing well. He I only have to give John capped. Rom nine, nine, nine to ten strokes. Is all I want I you, Tim. I would bet. <laughs> I would this house that I own. I would bet my entire strokes. house that if you gave John Ron ten strokes, he'd still kick your ass anywhere, all over the place. I know, Mike. <laughs> you, only get, you only get like five shots from John Ron over. And that's garbage. Holes. I get five. He would be. I wouldn't make it five holes. I wouldn't make it five holes. I'm giving. That's such garbage. The handicap system is bullshit. If I'm a have, nice guy, I'd put this, I'd put this luxury condo on you, Mike, just as a good friend. I am currently giving John around 5.4. No, that's great. What is he? 6.6. Yeah. I want plus 6.6 6. plus 1.2. 6. 
Five, that's what a nonsense. What nonsense is that's just bullshit. But maybe not, he's not dialed right now. He's not playing well. Maybe it's reflective of how he's playing. Has he done much since he won at Tory in 2019? Or I don't think so. I like, never think he's a threat anymore. No, no, I thought, didn't, he, didn't he have a win? He had a win somewhere, um, somewhere tropical. Well, he got hot. Remember, he, remember he, he, he would have won the Memorial, and then he, he had the COVID. They pulled him. Yeah. And then he won well, the then Open. Then won, then won the Open. But 20, but no, he, he won something. He won something Maybe. this year. He's going on a full year of not playing great. Um, no, I don't know. He's got one kid and he's got another one on the way or something. You know, life changes or whatever. But um, it's the Traeger, man. It's the Traeger. He got a Traeger and now he's just he's out there <laughs> smoking, smoking meats, and... meats left and right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anybody else? They make in Spain. Um, anybody else before we transition into uh, a little bit of live chatter before we no, wrap we better, up? We yeah. better talk a little live here. Uh, yeah. Big news, big news in the live world. There's a, yeah, kind of a, a changing of the guard happening. And, you know, at first you're like, oh, fine. You can have a, a, a Poulter and, and you, you know, Westwoods. And, but now they're, now we've got um, a possibility of Cam Smith rumored after winning the open. Now he's exempt for majors for five years. Is it uh, forever? Well, he could play well, in the, the open, open he could play but... the open until he's 60, but he won the players this year too. So he's got, a ton of exemptions. He yeah. Can play and so if he was going to do it, he's got five years to kind of play with. They'll yeah. get it figured out. And then maybe world ranking points start coming in. And you know, if you're him and you're getting who knows how many millions, I, I don't know. Um, well, Update real quick, John Rom did win the Mexico open this year. Oh yeah. I forgot about that one. I forgot. About did, that okay. One. I knew it was somewhere. It was somewhere. Star studded, star studded field. Um, but, uh, speaking of stars to the fields and world golf rankings, that ranking changes this year. Did you know that? Like at the, at the end of this year, that how they do it is changing to it's a good change where the depth of field is considered more than like the top heavy guys. Like some of these tournaments, like three or four guys that are like highly ranked and nobody else. Those, those would get a little more weight, but they're going to change it now to how deep the tournament is with like just consistent good players all the way across the board. So that's a good mix. Um, or a good change, but like live tour today or over the weekend, was it Paul Casey was talking about how these guys have a WhatsApp together where they're talking about going over to Asia to play events for world ranking points. Wasn't the point to play less events and be with their family more and all this and that. And now they're going to be flying back and forth to Asia. That was the their, that was, was their, uh, that was their the big Thing. The point. The point was money. The point is always obviously. Money. That's that's what I'm getting at. But though. they won't say it. That's what's so frustrating. They won't I'm, just say the money. I'm available. I will say it's for the money <laughs> or whatever you want me like, to say just, it for. Just I mean, even out. Graham McDowell coming on and saying we should be doing a shotgun start at the open. At the open, yeah. Okay, dumb. I about lost my. I I spit out my whatever I was drinking at the time. You cannot be saying that all. <laughs> Bailey's Irish cream, according to Mike. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and here comes Tiger Woods making his possible farewell walk down the sixth fairway. <laughs> <laughs> There's three like, people, you know. Yeah, it's just dumb. Like, oh no, they would have mobbed him regardless of where he was. And I think so, Cam Smith. So that's been rumored for a while. And I hope to God, if he's going to go, that wasn't already contract was already signed before, before this, because he dramatically increased his bargaining chip. Did he not for money? Like, how can you pay Phil? Well, Phil kind of got it going. That's by the way, they gave him the 200 million or whatever, but how could you pay Dustin Johnson? What is he? 150? Was it rumored? 
125. Him and, and Bryson only, were up there. And only pay the supposed number to Cam Smith, 101. That makes no sense. Cam Smith's the number two ring player in the world. He just won the Open. Uh, he, he's got to be at least at 200. I, if I was his agent, I'd be like, give us 200 then. Like, that's bullshit. If he's making, he's young, he's in the prime of his career. And he's in a market that you clearly want Australia because they want uh, Leishman and Adam Scott and they want to, they're supposedly going to host a live event next year. So you got to pay that guy if he's going to go. I, I, Ooh, I kinda, Mike, you're going to, you're going to have to watch that event for sure. Oh yeah. If they're in, if they're in Australia. Watch, listen, I will watch the live events. I watched, I've watched them all. Um, and I know I've been critical on live on here most weeks, but I think it's getting to a point now where it, let's say these guys go cam Smith goes and Hideki supposedly is going to go. And that was rumored at 350 million roughly with like Shrix on paying part of that or something. So they could be like the team name, the team sponsor for that Japanese team. You lose those two guys and some of the other ones, you know, like, at some point, we're just going to have to be okay with it being a thing and figure out how it can be a thing. It's, I still in no way, shape, or form think it's good. No way. I, 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 I don't want two watered-down tours or two whatever you want to call it. I would rather have a bunch of good players on one going to events like the Scottish Open here and there and, you know, and playing wherever or Dubai at the beginning of the year, that one they play, than having this watered-down, have two watered-down tours. Like, that's not good for anybody. Well, on top um, of that, not like it's great anyways, but can you imagine the President's Cup squad? Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Who are they going to pull out there? Aaron Rye? I mean, like, who's even, I don't even know. They've lost, yeah. a lot of their South Africans are gone. I mean, now your Australians might be gone. Hideki, I mean, your your team is getting just absolutely throttled at this point. By well, let's, talk, let's talk about this. Henrik Stenson, who is yeah. the European Ryder Cup captain, is supposedly going live, which is two things. It's two things. One, I'm assuming it's for the money again, but two, you can't tell me live tour that you are trying to put out this competitive, you know, you're all about growing the game and competition. That's just a big F you to the Ryder cup, to the, you know, to all of it, because you take in the captain, he can't compete anymore. I'm on live. He probably can. Cause they only got five, six good golfers right now, but like in, in the PGA Tour, Henrik Stetson can't compete anymore. It's just a big that's fuck a, you to the whole that's system. That's a big checkmate. That's what that is. Just a that big is, checkmate that's big. to that's the, a big, the That's tour. a big deal. Henrik Stetson going is a big deal if he goes, which I think, I think he's going to. Um, and then like, well, even like they don't even have many future captains. Like half the, all those guys, Westwood and Poulter and uh, Sergio, guys that would be down the road. If Sergio. Was, okay. That guy. Oh, God. Yeah, that guy needs to just hang it up. At this point, I don't even get me started on Hold. Sergio. We wouldn't have any golf memes if not for Sergio. Okay. His comments this week about how he's he's quitting the DP World Tour because nobody likes me. Yeah, uh, nobody well, be, nobody be likes likeable, me. Be likable, you dipshit. Like it's not hard. Yeah, I think it's a look like, in the mirror, likeable. there, Sergio. Look yeah. in the mirror, buddy. Don't worry, Sergio. I don't read anymore either. I listen to audio books. <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I saw a bunch of TikToks though. That was great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the live thing's gonna be fascinating. I, I think it's here. It's it's not going anywhere. It's uh we're gonna everybody's gonna have to adjust. Um, with some of the exemptions that people have that possibly are moving over, Live is really building a good antitrust lawsuit against the PGA DP World Tour system 
of, of these guys that should have exemptions into places, named captains, et cetera, and coming back and saying, you know what, this is, you're treating this as a, a monopoly. So some of the, some of the recent acquisitions of players are going to set up very, very nicely uh, for the live. And I'll be very interested to see who does have a bigger pocketbook when it comes to the legal mess that this is going to be. From... Saudis, for sure. Saudis for sure. Oh yeah. Oh no. I know. Without question. Yeah. There's no like Jay Monahan who, you know, shit should be fired. This, he dropped the ball on this long time ago. There was uh, you know, he, they call, they wanted to do that team thing that they had that PGL league, or whatever, before the Saudis got involved that Greg Norman wanted, and they could have at least entertained, talked about it, maybe figured something out, and they just didn't talk to him. And they went and got the Saudis to bring in the money, which is what really matters anyway in this whole thing. So part of this is the PGA Tour's fault, Jay Monahan's fault. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, at some point, I mean, how long, doesn't it all hinge on how long the Saudi prince stays interested in this? Like, <laughs> who like, knows? He could say, you know what? I've lost. They've spent a billion dollars already. One billion dollars already. He could he could go down the road next year and they've spent ten billion. He's like, you know what? I'm bored with this. And then what happens? Like, just these guys all come groveling back to the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour to play again. Like, no, they just have a Tuesday about, game, a Tuesday wow. league that they just all meet up on and play. Yeah, for a lot of money. <laughs> but I think it's here, and I. I don't know. What's I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. I I think they if that happens, they just go find AK and they're all playing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> luxurious courses for millions of dollars. Be, I tell you what. But, I tell you what. If the Saudis can buy off the insurance company, oh and they get God, AK yes. and they get AK out to live, I am a hundred percent on board, baby. I How come, is he not out there yet? It can't am, be that big of a policy. I am one hundred percent on board. I'll show up with like a falcon on my arm and do like falcon earring <laughs> and everything. If if AK is on, they there. love that shit. Maybe that's yeah. what we gotta start. If we're gonna go down there for the Chicago event in September, we gotta start a petition to get AK involved. Get him, get him in there. I'm trying um, to think of. Have I been to a resort that has falconeering? <laughs> did 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 yeah, uh, go the Greenbrier? Greenbrier, the Greenbrier. Yeah, they do falconeering. Greenbrier. Yep. Okay. Um. Well, let's spend our last few minutes just doing a quick. Uh, anything else on live before we want to move on? No, it's gonna be a. I just, we're gonna be talking about this every episode. It's gonna be something yeah. all the time until yeah. until forever might have to start researching Falcons. well the <laughs> the hometown uh is hosting the the pga tour event this this week and it's the 3m we're gonna do all of our picks we're gonna do kind of more 3m stuff on wednesday at the 3m so we're just gonna do a quick little uh uh i don't know preview perhaps and then we've got an interview with mike welch the tournament director and i i you know mike and i interviewed him and i thought it went really well i think there's a lot of uh things that you probably never knew existed behind the scenes of uh, setting up a tournament we have some fun with them a little bit some ideas that we've got uh so i, I was a good time um so it's that tpc twin cities uh mike and i currently or recently just played there so we kind of know uh you know what's as far back guys. as far back as they let us go is very far back and i'll just say this right now i'm just not meant to play in the pga tour i'll just say that um, we play with Trey Fessler, who's known for his length, which, you know, he, he took something that was like 7,500 yards and made it look like, uh, made it look like, uh, um, the old course this week, basically driver wedge, driver wedge, driver wedge. So 
these guys are good and they will bomb it. Um, I will say, you know, looking at the field, we talked about the field a little bit, Mike Welch. That was kind of one of the things that we, we, we asked him about. One of the things that the 3M has done, um, it's, it's kind of given a younger guy uh, a platform. The younger guys have, have kind of shown their faces here um, from, from Victor, um, Colin Morikawa, Bryson, uh, Matt Wolf, Cam Champ. Um, some of the younger guys have, have balled out here. So I hope that we can kind of hang our hats on another uh, a young guy, young buck winning this week. Maybe Sahith, Davis not, Riley. Wait, no, not J.J. Henry. J.J. Henry's in the field. Chris Goddard up. <laughs> Nick Hardy. Clark, guys. Wyndham Clark. Yeah, Wyndham Clark. He's doing uh, Matt McNeely. Matt McNeely. Uh, Matthias Schwab. I mean, there's a, there's any one of these little uh, these younger guys could win. So who knows? That may be the uh, the calling Speaking card. Of, of the uh, Speaking of, we talked about humble beginnings for Cam Young. Mav McNeely really needs the money. Guys. <laughs> yes, we should probably start a go. Grew up on Pebble Beach. His dad is only like the CEO of like Oracle or whatever it is. <laughs> Some yeah. like just crazy billionaire. Um, yeah, we got we got like a few hours. We're going to be out there on Wednesday. We'll we'll do a podcast from there. Yeah, we'll do a deeper dive. We'll talk about around uh, out there. We'll talk about the course a little bit. Uh, a little bit is it, it's a. Uh, Arnie Palmer design and uh, we'll have some fun and we're going to try to get our social media accounts going and, and hopefully interview some people or see some people out there and uh, we'll see what happens. So I suppose Tim, we could roam a little bit and fire up the voice memos again and get some, get some good, some good uh, content out there. We're good, we're good for that. On, and I got are, a lot of PTSD myself out there. So can you smoke cigarettes and cigars out on the ground <laughs> of the 3M? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about out. that. Um, Tune in I here did, to find out. I did float the idea to uh, Mike about, you know, we're going to spice this tournament up a little bit. He talked about some stuff that are going to try to do, you know, which he had, he had some good insights on some things. I floated the idea for tater tot hot dish in the 17 T box, you know, pound yep. a little tater tot hot dish and then you got to let it rip, but probably won't get anywhere. Yeah. Man, the, the, yeah. The interview is great. Uh, Mike, he does a fantastic job. He describes what it takes to put a PGA event together, um, you know, behind the scenes things, talks about the challenges of the schedule, because obviously coming back from a major overseas is a big issue. Talked about that. Um, strategies to try to get the best fields as they possibly can. Ways to help the tournament stand out. That's where Mike kind of offers a few ideas. I had a couple ideas. So it's a good time. Uh, he's an easy, easy listen. Um, has a lot of great ideas and uh, definitely, uh, I don't know, makes the makes the tournament the best that I think it could possibly be from from his personality standpoint. So, anything else, boys? Other than we... I'm interested interested to see how Marty Fish plays. Now that we got this little insight from uh, Mike that that you yep. don't have to be a professional golfer to play in a PG or like a great amateur to play on the PGA Tour. You can like marty fish former tennis player as long as you're a plus handicap you can play yeah, you mike. so, so mike from the break 80 tim and i will caddy and uh, I'm, 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 now we got new well, no hold on based on the ease of these courses which we were talking about the uh the former road over there i might be a scratch after our august yeah, yeah. 2023 oh, trip you keep you keep playing matches against jeff you'll be there in a few weeks probably. Yeah, that's, oh yeah that's the only time you show up is against me <laughs> So. Um, yeah, no. So I think it'll be we'll a good time up there and we'll get more content out there, buddy. We are here with 3M tournament director, Mike Welch, who has kindly joined us to talk all things 3M, which is uh, starting next week, June 21st, the 24th and all the work that's put into it um, to run a PGA tour event. So let, Mike, let's start with giving us a little bit of background on yourself and break down for 
for us sort of your role as tournament director and all the stuff that that entails. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, I've I've been a lover and consumer of sports my entire life. I I've been inside the world of sports for the last 17 years of my professional career. I spent 13 years with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx and had this opportunity to come with Pro Lynx Sports and the Dream Open late in 2019. And so, you know, been here for almost three years now. Uh, the role of tournament director, um, like all of the roles that we have uh, for the folks that work at the Dream Open is one of many hats. I would say that, you know, the three main buckets that I uh, do on a daily basis is revenue, number one, uh, number two is charity, and number three is is marketing. You know, with uh, with every PGA Tour tournament, the host organization that runs those tournaments, uh, they're all nonprofits. And so charity is a big focus of what we do. This year, we'll give $1.5 million to about 20 local charities. And so that's a big portion of my job. But revenue far and away is number one, guys. Uh, without revenue, without title partners, these tournaments don't happen. And we're so indebted and, and appreciative of 3M. Awesome. Well, you know, as fans, you know, we, we can always see that final product that you put out, you know, when the tournament is running, you know, the week of the actual tournament, but there's gotta be a lot of behind the scenes things that go into the tournament. And you kind of touched on a little bit, but you know, beside the basic golf fans that we can't see, tell us some of those things that, you know, you're doing uh, behind the scenes to get this week put together. And I know you did touch on like charities and things like that, but is there anything that, you know, us, the consumers don't really know that goes into one of these tournaments? Oh man, there's, there's tons. I mean, just, just today we had, um, we have a company that we're working with that dropped off a shipping container. Uh, you know, they're turning those, these shipping containers into these tiny homes. And so they dropped off one, we're going to have it inside of fan village. And when they arrived, they looked around, they said, man, this is massive. Like, I didn't know how big this build was. You know, we, we start planning our 3M open literally about three weeks after this year finishes. So we'll start planning 2023 right in the middle to end of August. Uh, we have 11 people on staff full-time for the 3M Open. And we have uh, a woman by the name of Leslie, who's our director of operations that starts thinking about the build right away. And so, you know, we'll have, um, oh geez, we spent a couple million dollars in steel and structure. Let's just put it that way. So, it, you know, it, what, what people don't understand is that, you know, uh, this is a this is truly a 51 week job for for one week of an event. Uh, it's not just something that starts in March or April. And so, you know, one of the great things about the Three M Open and all PGA Tour tournaments is, you know, we depend on 1,700 volunteers to put on our tournament. We have 11 full time staff, but when it gets down to it, when the gates open on Tuesday next week, we depend on 1,700 volunteers to make this thing run and hum at the efficiency that it does every year. And those 1700 volunteers are led by 44 chair people. So there's 44 different divisions that put on this tournament. So anything from uh, what we call fan experience. So greeters at the main gate to our uh, water distribution. So the folks that take water out to each of the tee boxes and provide it to uh, our EMTs. I mean, there are so many jobs when you think about it and it's just incredible how this thing you know operates for a full year. But you know, I think another really cool thing that's that's behind the scenes is just our relationship with the folks from TPC Twin Cities. You have to have a great relationship with your home course and host course in order to make this thing run. You know, this this course will shut down on Thursday of this week and it'll reopen on the Tuesday after the three opens. So that's a good, you know, 12 days that this thing is shut down. And the TPC staff is incredible because they basically forget about their operation and are full throat into what we're doing. Uh, and that's just an awesome partnership that we have. And so, 
you know, maybe those are just two or three examples that that folks might not know, but um, it is it is a it is a wonder how we pull it all off. But again, we do it because of great staff, great volunteers, and a great partner in TPC Twin Cities. Oh, that's awesome. In fact, uh, uh, Mike, my uh, co-host here, and I, we just played the TPC. Was it a couple of days ago? Yeah, Friday. Oh, I saw it. I yeah, saw yeah. it. I saw the, the Trey Fest. I saw the Fessler. Uh, the match that was a that was a pretty intense match y'all uh can can play the game a little bit <laughs> well not from 7600 yards that's that's that was the problem so the shots that you know that, that's kind of the, the fun thing you know you a course like that when you pick a course you know you you obviously need to have enough space you know there's a lot that goes into a course that holds it you know you talked a lot about your um you know behind the scenes things but the course itself has to be able to fit and work and you know when we played that you know, those tea boxes that they put way back there and, and the space for, for the, uh, the, the fan that shows up and having, you know, the amount that you need to hold this course. I know it held, it held a lot of, uh, the, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the older, uh, the senior tour, senior you know, tour. have held that yeah. for quite a while, but to be able to hold a PGA tour event takes a lot. So we definitely know the, the course and, and how it can hold a, a uh, professional event. But one thing I was going to ask, and this kind of goes with, you know, any, any event, but, what do you look for in a course to be able to do that? Like, how did you know that the TPC Twin Cities is going to be a good fit? Well, you hit on it right away, Jeff. I mean, it's infrastructure and the, and the ability to hold infrastructure and, and then parking as well, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you, you go to some events and it's a 20-minute shell ride to the course. I mean, we're so fortunate to have a great relationship with the folks from National Sports Center and, and Anoka County Airport. So all of our, our corporate partners, park at Anoka County and it's a three minute shuttle ride. And then our general fans park at national sports center and it's a two and a half minute shuttle ride. And so that's, that's huge. Number one, but then, you know, equally as important is the fact that you have to be able to sustain a rather large build. I I touched on revenue earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, corporate partner, corporate partnerships make up 85% of our overall revenue. So if you don't have the space to build tents and skyboxes and suites and chalets and cabins, all of the semi-private and private boxes that we have on course. Like it's, it's a really tough way to, you know, be a successful tournament because the general fan, you know, I mean, we're not respectfully the waste manager Phoenix open where we can expect 200,000 people per day, right? Like we, we are shooting for 15,000 fans per day and that would be very great. It would be on average with what a normal PGA tour event has, but, you know, in order to sustain without corporate partnerships, you need a lot of folks there. So, so we, you know, Hollis Cavender, uh, as you guys well know, you know, brought the 3M championship yep. to Minnesota and then turned it into the 3M open. And, you know, he recognized right away that TPC Twin Cities just had the capability to do it. And then when it changed from the 3M championship to the 3M open, the course obviously needed to be lengthened, uh, be yeah. toughened for the best players in the world. And, you know, we made some significant changes leading up to the 2019 inaugural 3M open. And then right after that, there was even more changes made. And you can see uh, since that 19 event where Matthew Wolf uh, won with 21 under, you know, their winning scores have been 19 under and 15 under respectively. So the course is playing tougher. As you guys, you know, saw it's, it's ultimate risk reward. If you're shooting well and, and hitting shots, you can score well. And if you're off a little bit, your ball's in the water or it's yeah, exactly. It's a, you know, it's a so humbling it's, game from 7,600 yards. Oh man. I, I, I mean, I've never played it from the tips because I'm, I'm not a glutton for punishment like you guys, but uh, I can't even imagine, man. That's, that's a long way. Well, well, Mike here for is, is, is a pretty, I, you know, he's one of the longer guys I play with. And when he's hitting driver uh, four iron on hole two, that goes across oh water. I, I, <laughs> I can't imagine how those guys are able to step on the tee box and feel comfortable. 
yeah, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Is, that so, two tee box. So, so you played it across the street then? Yeah. 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 That's nuts, not very man. smart. That's, that's a nuts. That's a nuts hole. So and we, and one of the, and hole, is it three? That's a par five for the members. Is that three? Yeah. And they're going to play as a par four. And I, I, I yeah. hit like a three wood into it, into it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's a, you know, it gets you good perspective though. Like just how good these guys are. Um, I was going to ask, so there's, I think there's like 45 regular season PGA tour events throughout the year. Uh, yep. What are some mm-hmm. things that the 3M does to kind of separate yourself from other tournaments? Like what's the thing that, you know, is, is the 3M is known for, you know, we've got, you know, the, certain courses might have a jacket that the winner gets, or, you know, they might have a certain um, tradition that they like to do. What is the, what, what is, what will you say the three M's kind of claim to fame would be, or the thing that they're, they're, you're trying to do that kind of separate yourself from, from other tournaments? Yeah, it's a great question. And if I'm completely honest with you guys, you know, it's still a work in progress. I mean, we're entering our fourth year of the three of open, but really it's the third year because COVID wiped out a year from a fan perspective. Um, and, and so, so, we get asked this question a lot, like, what's the vision of the three open? Some folks say, Hey, do you want to be the waste management of the North? And, you know, if you've been to that tournament, the, the simple answer is just, listen, it's, that's not going to happen. Like that thing is one yeah. of a kind. Right. And, yep. and, and so I think what we're been, what we're trying to do is just, is, is there's such a sense of pride in Minnesota and, and let's be honest, Minnesota golf is, is among the, the best States for golf. You know, the, the, the downfall is that we can only play the darn game five months, maybe six months out of the year. But if we, if we were in a warm weather state and you guys know this from playing all around the state, there are some amazing courses here. So this is just a tremendous sense of pride, I think for Minnesota golf. And so we want to embrace that and really highlight that at the same time, you know, there's a, in the summer, particularly, there's this sense of, of relaxing and vacation and cabin and fishing. And so we're trying to bring a little bit of that too. So, you know, we've introduced cabins on the course. We, we didn't get approval this year, but we think we're going to do it next year, you know, on that, on that body of water between 14 and 17, we want to have pontoon boats and fishing tournaments uh, off peak hours during the tournament. So bring a little bit of fishing in there. There you go. You know, I, yeah. I mean, so I think, you know, as we go year over year, you know, what I always say to our staff and, and our corporate partners is, you have to remember that the waste management is in year 86. The memorial is in year 50 something. I mean, there's just so many years of equity built up here. And at one point they were a third or fourth year tournament asking these same questions. And so I love that our staff and our partners and our board members are always thinking about, you know, what's next for the three open. I think if you've been to the tournament every year since 2019, you're going to see new things this year and say, okay, I, I get that. That's like, that's awesome. So if we're having this conversation, you know, in three years, gents, I, my hope is that we've answered that question even further and that there's this, there's this really aligned vision that everybody can, can see. What, what I'll tell you real quickly for this year is that, you know, we think that our food and beverage platform is going to be uh, unmatched when it comes to, you know, just coming to a golf tournament. Uh, we think that the activations you're going to see from sponsors and what we've done as a tournament is going to create this level of fun that makes you forget that you're at a golf tournament. And then, you know, I think the other thing that folks have to remember, especially given this unique year with, uh, you know, this other tour that has started a few months ago, yeah. is that you're, you're still going to see the best golfers in the world. You know, the, the, the depth and the quality of the PGA Tour golfer all the way down to Corn Ferry Tour and the other tours has never been this good. And so, you know, who's the next um, Dustin Johnson? Who's the next Bryson DeChambeau that's going to play in the 3M Open? Because if you remember 2019, 
three of our top five finishers were sponsor exemptions in Matthew yeah. Wolf, Colin Morikawa, and Victor Hovland. And those three, you know, especially two of them have gone on to a pretty great career. Um, you know, and so, it, you know, that next level, Scotty Scheffler was the, you know, the, the Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year in, in 2020. Sanjay M was in 2019. We're two and three years removed from those guys. And so, you know, now they're bona fide stars and Scheffler was the number one player in the world. So it's not going to take long for these folks that we're going to see here next week at 3M Open to already make a name for themselves. And I hope that people come and embrace that and, and recognize that when they see these golfers. I got a question for you, Mike, about other, you know, you talked about other tournaments. Do, do the directors of all of these events, you, do you talk and communicate with them and kind of get tips and ask what they're doing or check it out or anything like that throughout the year? Absolutely. I, I mean, there is, it is a pretty tight knit uh, group. Um, you know, we meet, once a year down in Ponte Vedra for PGA tour meetings and do idea sharing. But I would tell you that there's, you know, an open uh, it's not, I was going to say open phone line, but I feel like now it's open zoom line or teams line, you know, for all of us, you know, every, every week where we share ideas and, and to the, to the question earlier, we, you know, when, when you talk about what does everybody try to be known for and you go to the Memorial, you know, it's the shakes, right. And you go to um, waste management, it's the partying and all of that. And so, you know, I think that that's a topic of conversation for tournaments like ours that are relatively new rocket mortgage, you know, has really leaned into the inner city of Detroit to bridge the technology gap. And, you know, we do that with our charity partners around, you know, youth of color and, and social injustice on Tuesday of this year, we're going to have 500 kids from Minneapolis and St. Paul come up to the three and open many of them that have never experienced golf. And we're going to present golf to them in a way that's going to blow their mind. We're going to have art and music and fashion and, and, and culture and food. And they're going to hopefully leave there thinking, Oh, this is golf. It's not just, you yeah. know, uh, for lack of a better term, an old white man sport. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is make a name for ourselves and three and open embrace the greater twin cities golf community and make it um, inclusive for everyone. So, you know, I think that that we gleaned a little bit of that from from Detroit and some other tournaments that have been doing that. And and I think that some folks have, you know, asked us about, you know, a few of our charitable aspects as well. So I'm really appreciative of that that communication between other tournaments. You, you could throw in my idea from an earlier podcast this year about, you know, like on maybe 17 where you got a, a tough teacher with a lot of they have to pound a bowl, a tater tot hot dish or something before, <laughs> before, before letting it go. <laughs> I yeah. like that. I mean, we, hey, we got we have Parlor Burger. You know, you guys probably yep. had that before. We yep. got Red Savoy Pizza. It's two of what I think is the best in their respective food yep. verticals. I mean, maybe we could incorporate them into that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I love that fishing idea. Like, if you could, yeah. you know, maybe maybe a hole that you know typically there's some weight on. If there's like, a, you know, maybe have the caddies like send out a cast or something like that. See if they can reel one in while they're waiting. You know, just kind of keep it, you know, casual, but something to do while they're while they wait on a tee box. I think that's a great idea incorporating that. Uh, Oh man, when these guys come to practice rounds on Sunday and Monday, well, Monday, we obviously have our, our secondary pro-am, but before that, um, there, Wyndham Clark, for example, I mean, every yeah. year Wyndham comes, he comes here in his bag, he's got two fishing poles. So he'll tee off on 14 <laughs> and then he'll walk down and throw two rods, uh, two, two lines into the water and just walk to his next shot. And then, you know, bringing the bass. I mean, there's some big fish in 14 and 17. So like, there's a, there's a few guys that bring their, their reels and rods when they come. Speaking That's of awesome. pro, speaking of proams, you know, with all the live golf stuff and possible changes, is that something that that could po- possibly go away at some point? Do the players, would a lot of players want that to go away? I don't think so, man. I, think I mean, so? I think the tour players, the ones that you know, 
are not entertaining the idea. They realize that purses come from corporate support, right? Yeah, now, sure. I, obviously, there's um, been measures taken over the last three weeks that are going to increase purses for a number of events. Um, and the ones that, you know, didn't have their purses increase um, significantly like ours realize that pro-ams are a pretty significant portion of, of the revenue pie. And, you know, I, I, again, coming from the NBA, I, I truly feel like that spending four hours um, on a golf course is about as painless as it gets, guys, honestly. And so yeah. I think the tour pros recognize that as well. And more often than not, um, it's people that, you know, I mean, you're talking about CEOs of large companies who, um, you know, I think appreciate the talent, but maybe don't uh, geek out like other folks do, maybe for an NBA player or a baseball player or a football player. I think they just realize that these guys are just like me, but, you know, they're really good at golf. And I think really enjoy the conversation and the camaraderie more than anything. So I don't anticipate those going away anytime soon. Um, I actually do think that the tour players uh, somewhat enjoy those. Sure. That's awesome. What do you think about this idea? Winner gets a, you know, a lab coat to put on them as they, as they, as they get the win, the win on 18 green. For like the 3M scientist feel you said? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the okay. scientist feel. And a pack of post-it well, we, notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we, you know, exactly. we, we, are, we are incorporating uh, post-its and scotch tape and painter's tape into T-box markers. You'll see them on the telecast this year. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe we do like a, yeah, a 3M scientist lab code or. Maybe Throw the goggles on them. Yeah. Or maybe like an experiment. Like right away, we'll have a couple <laughs> like. Bunsen burners and some tubes and maybe they go. can make their own experiment right when they win. Awesome. Going back to when we're talking about money there, when, you know, when the tour is going to have to increase the purses, probably everywhere at some point, who bears the burden of that? Is that corporate sponsors that got to kick in more or how does that work? Uh, great question. I, I, I do feel like a, a large portion of that is going to have to come from corporate support. Um, you know, I haven't been brought into the loop yet as to how those eight uh, tournaments are going to increase it. I'm only assuming, like you guys, that it is going to be uh, more of the corporate partners. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's what Jay Monahan and his executive team are trying to figure out right now. Um, and I'm confident that they're going to they're going to figure it out again. My my personal opinion is that uh, the folks that that we've seen leave. Um, have done it for a reason and that's fine. I mean, many of those folks are our friends and, and we don't, you know, while we don't agree with their decision, we're not going to, um, I think be judgmental. Right. And so I, I think that, you know, where we have to make sure that the tour and the tour is doing this is prevent every measure possible for the next wave and the next talent of folks to uh, not, not go. Right. And so I yeah. think that, you know, with the, with the Q school uh, spots coming back and with KFT having some increased spots, uh, getting their tour cards. I think that that is a step in the right direction. And, 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 you know, I, th I think when the talent is there, the money's going to follow. Right. And I also feel like we'll get it. We're going to see a pretty good uh, groundswell of support from corporate America um, for the PJ tour, because I think that there is this sense of um, I think pride and, and ownership with yeah. being a corporate partner. And you've seen some of the, the PJ tour sponsors on the larger scale that have player endorsement deals, pause those because I think that they're showing support for the relationship with, with, with the tour. And, and I think that will only continue. So this kind of, you guys have touched on a little bit, you know, the live tour and all these other things, you're kind of in a tough spot and you have been a couple, a couple of years, you know, depending on, on when majors are, but you know, when you, when you host a, a tournament 
after a major tournament that's overseas, that's kind of a tough, tough spot to be in, you know, to try to get your best, you know, players over here. You, you kind of touched a little bit on trying to get, um, for example, sponsor exemptions to some of those young, talented guys. Um, how, how do you, you know, through marketing and in certain things, how do you, um, uh, who makes those decisions of who you give those to? Like how, you know, how did you know to give it to, to Morikawa, Hovland, uh, on those kind of guys? Because I, I think you're on the right path. Like if you're going to get the, you know, if you want this, this tournament to have something, those young guys that Remy haven't broken out yet are is probably the key to, you know, having this tournament mean something because that Matthew Wolf win was, was pretty cool because it kind of led him to do a little bit more things after this one. Um, who makes those choices? Uh, we, we do, uh, okay. along with, along with 3M, our title partner. And I, and I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, and again, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but, but we work for a company called ProLink Sports that also manages the Valspar Championship in Tampa and the Wells okay. Fargo Championship in Charlotte. And so those three tournaments are our tournaments. And, 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 and Hollis, who owns ProLink Sports, also works with a number of collegiate tournaments and, and has title partners like Valspar and others title these collegiate tournaments and so we see the best collegiate golfers in the world at a number of these tournaments throughout the course of the year so we know who those great players are so you know in our field our sponsor exemptions we've announced four and i think you've probably seen them cole hammer is coming from texas who was the number one amateur last year um you know we're we're almost positive that we're going to get two more exemptions back based on our field and so you've probably seen chris goddard up uh, over the last few weeks that's a good one Uh, chris is chris is going to be coming and you know to your, to your question about how do they keep coming back to you over a year, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation that I had with his agent that we just said, listen, you know, if we give Chris a spot and, and he blows up, we want to make sure that the 3M is circled on his calendar every single year. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, it, and you guys probably well know this, since 2019, we haven't seen Victor and Colin back at the yeah. 3M Open. And that's, a, and that's okay. You know, I mean, I know that they both have blown up. And, and their schedule um, not only is made by them, but also their agencies as well. And we're confident that, you know, we maybe get one of those folks, those guys this year, but certainly next year. But, but as we talk to these sponsor exemptions that we feel is that next wave, you just lay the groundwork early and you say, mm-hmm. listen, we're no, no promises, but, but we're going to make sure that we have a long-term relationship here. And this is not just a one tournament um you know play if you will I, I would tell you that another thing that we do prolink sports as a company is better than anybody is we take care of the players their families and their caddies better than anyone and so every night there's an event for the players and the caddies and we do it in a very fiscally responsible way because we are a nonprofit at the same time we want to make sure that these players families and caddies when they leave the twin cities say why would we not come back to this next year we had a great time we're in a great city um, it's an awesome tournament. The, the course is playable. I can win this tournament. Why would I not come back? And so that's our hope year over year. Do you so um, nice, if you will, right there. Is there any, <laughs> is there any jockeying for, uh, with the RNA and the PGA tour and how, how does that work? You can't be after the open every year, obviously. Is there a, how do they, oh, yeah, we can. How do they well, I mean, we can, <laughs> we can, but that doesn't seem fair. Um, well, we, so we have a seven-year relationship uh, with 3M. That's that's the length of this uh, first initial deal. And so if you remember in 2019, we were 4th of July weekend. Yep. Uh, I will tell you that as, as tough as it is to be 
after the open championship, we would much prefer to have that weekend than the 4th of July weekend, because as you guys know, that's a ghost town around yep. here. Yeah. Right. Um, and so corporate support, 3M's wishes, fan support uh, is much easier. Now it makes it a challenge for the field, but one of the things that we do is, you know, we, we have, we'll have a charter plane waiting on the tarmac um, after uh, the Sunday final round at St. Andrews is over. So everybody that's committed to the three open that wants a seat on that charter um, gets a seat in that charter. And so again, just it's, it's what are we doing so that these players again, are just recognizing that the three yeah. open is, is doing everything they can to make sure that their stay here is, is well worth it. So, you know, when, when the new um, relationship comes up, hopefully after we have some great discussions with 3M and the PGA tour, Will we be asking for a new date on the calendar? 100%. Will we get it? We, we don't know. Uh, that's a conversation between ourselves, between the PGA Tour, between 3M, between broadcast partners. Uh, and, and that's certainly going to be one of the topics that we discuss because uh, it is a very, very uh, daunting challenge every year to get the best field possible. And, and you know, you guys watched this past weekend. The Scottish is now a co-sanctioned event. You saw yep. their field this weekend. Yep. They had 14. 14 of the top 15 players in the world. So many of those guys are playing the Scottish, playing the British, and then taking a week off. They might be staying overseas, right? And so, so you know, we, we have some challenges um, that we're going to continue to work through. But again, we, we'll continue to lean on the fact that when you're here, you recognize how special of a place this is and this tournament is, and it becomes one of those, you know, mark your calendar events for the players. Do you guys access the Blaine airport? Do a lot of the players use that since it's right there in town? Uh, you know, I just learned this this year. It depends how large the plane is. Um, okay. If it's like a really big jet, it actually doesn't have clearance to land there. Okay. So, um, you know, but, but I would tell you, you know, to get into the nuts and bolts and behind the scenes, you know, all of the vehicles that we provide, you know, courtesy vehicles for the players, all of those are stationed at MSP. So oh, they would have to go to MSP anyway or, or figure it out. So again, in the, in the name of convenience, you know, you get off that charter, you got a vehicle waiting for you, you drive it to your hotel room. That's not bad. That's yeah. You, you're, you hit on the net. Like it's almost like trying to set up the Basilica block party. There's so many branches of things that you got to think about in a tournament. It's unbelievable for those four days. Yeah. Um, well, I tell you what, one, you know, a couple more things will let you go. I know this would be impossible, but I think it'd be the most fun thing ever would be having like a, you know, put all the Minnesota two to five handicaps in like a, in a hat to just draw one and then just have that person try to play from the pro tees during a pro event and just see what they shoot. So all the, uh, the Twitter golfers can like realize that they can't go out there and shoot a, uh, a 68. Like they pretend they can. Man, I, I hate to burst your bubble, Jeff, but you, it actually is not allowed. You have to That's be, I, I figured it wasn't, but I had to ask. Yeah, you have to be a plus handicap. Um, so, um, I don't know if you guys saw the release, but Marty fish is one of our sponsor exemptions. Oh, for year. sure. Yeah. Oh, is he yeah, really? So, I never yeah, saw that. So, yeah. So Marty is a, is a, Minnesota a guy. Plus, three, plus three handicap. Yeah. Former number what? I think he got all the way up to like number seven in the world in, yep. uh, the, in USTA. Um, he just finished, actually, he had a really bad Sunday. I hope he doesn't listen to this in Tahoe <laughs> this past weekend. Uh, he was second going into Sunday and did not, did not have, not have a great day. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, but, I, but he's playing really well and, you know, he does very well out in Tahoe every year. His game's in a pretty good, pretty good spot right now. Um, so we'd be really, I'd be really anxious to see how he does this, this week, because to your point, <clears throat> Marty's a regular guy like us, um, yeah. happens to play the sport out of love, not as his job. 
how is he going to do at 7,600 yards? Love so that. so we'll, we're going to find out. Um, and what's best is the dude is a great dude and he's going to have a ton of fun with it. So he's going to, he's going to actually play in the pro-am on Wednesday. He's going to play in our compass challenge on Wednesday night. You know, he's one of our eight celebrities that are playing in the three hole exhibition that we're going to have at five 30 on Wednesday night. Um, so he's going to gear up for Thursday and then obviously he plays Thursday through hopefully Sunday. So He's got a busy week of golf ahead of him, but uh, I think he's up to the challenge. So Mike, rephrase that for me. You said a plus, how does this work? A plus handicap can play in a PGA tour event. In order to be a sponsor exemption, you have to have, be a plus handicap. So uh-huh. you, know, you, you can't be a scratch. You got to be a plus. Well, that's one of us on this podcast is a plus. So maybe some point down the I road, start, I guess start firing up the emails. That point. I'm, I'm going to be emailing all 50 some tour events saying you got a spot. You got a spot. <laughs> That is one I'm of done. our, that is one of our brilliant podcast ideas. Like it would be awesome. Just if every event threw like an, just a, an average scratch golfer out there, just to give a baseline for how good the rest of the tour really is. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you guys almost, you guys just did it this week. Yeah, I know, that kind you, of. Could, you could turn that into something. Right. And, and yeah. uh, I mean, I'm not sure, not sure how big your travel budget is, but just put all 45 <laughs> stops on your, uh, on your docket. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get you out of here. I'll ask you, I have one more question for you, Mike. And we'll, I know you got, you're busy tonight, but um, can you tell some of our listeners, like some of the friendly family types of things that you got going on this week outside of just watching golf shots and, you know, some spots that uh, families can go and visit and, and things to do? Yeah, um, that's another thing that we're trying to just, you know, make sure. Number one, all kids 15 and under are free to the three open courtesy of Cup. So if you come, you know, with a paying adult, you're free. And so number one, that's awesome. Um, we have five different fan journeys at the 3M Open. And one of those fan journeys, you can find them on our website, 3MOpen.com, is, is the family fan journey. So, you know, for young, young families, if you're a new mom and dad, we have the M Health Fairview Family Care Center. So if you're a nursing mom, you can go in there. It's air conditioned. There's going to be games. We also have skin cancer screenings in there on the weekend if you're, you know, want to get a screen. Yeah. So that's a place that is, is really rare on tour. We have an air conditioned spot. For many young families, if you're an older family, um, we obviously have uh, both Fan Village, which is going to have tons of golf activations, and then Northwoods, which is going to be sort of our hub for food and beverage. Lots of shade to watch golf. We have landing zones there with with uh, just kind of these lawn chairs and Adirondacks that you can come watch. Um, we have a number. Uh, we have a kids autograph area over by the practice facility, so uh, you have to be a certain under a certain height, and you can get all the autographs because the the PJ Tour is reenacted and put that back into place for autographs, which is great post COVID. Um, so you'll find about two or three other things that families can do on our website, and so you know whether it's Tuesday for our golf for all day where we're going to have all these kids, or Wednesday when you want to come see. You know, guys like Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and a number of other celebrities, Larry Fitzgerald, come play in the Pro-Am or our Compass Challenge on Wednesday night. Got something for you there. And then Thursday through Sunday for competition days, all those things that I mentioned are going to be there on Thursday and and through Sunday. And so, uh, oh, and by the way, all the pro sports teams mascots will be there Saturday, either from 10 to 11 or 1 to 2. So I know kids love mascots. I certainly do. So, so, you know, we're going to have a number of uh, fun things. And, And best part? Is it's outside? It's going to be uh, beautiful. It looks like it's going to be warm again. We can't avoid these warm weeks for the three yeah. open. But I, I, listen, I I never complain about the warmth because damn it, from <laughs> yeah. from November Winter's through coming. March, yeah, right. So like, embrace the heat. I say, embrace. Well, we the get heat. to wa- we get to watch the wolves. The wolves making moves here, so we get to watch the wolves this winter. <clears throat> Man, I mean, you know, my heart's there. I spent thirteen years there. Yeah. Of course, of course, as soon as I leave, they get good. Um, but, uh, but no, no coincidence I'm, there, huh? 
I'm well, super Mike, excited we, about dude. We, we uh, this is a lot of fun. Like uh, you know, just getting to know the little you know things behind the scenes and everything that goes into it. So we appreciate all you do for our you know Minnesota tournament here for all the people here in Minnesota and um, you know all your hard work is is about to pay off here as the uh, people enjoy it. So we thanks for thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah, thank you for the coverage. Appreciate all you guys do for golf in Minnesota as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right, take care. That is all for episode 19 of the Break 80 podcast. We will be out at the 3M Open on Wednesday morning from about 9 to noon. Friday we'll be out there and over the weekend more than likely. So if you see us, stop by and say hi. We should have a booth with a banner on Wednesday morning. And if you uh, know what we look like from Instagram or whatnot, we'll be roaming around. So make sure you come and stop, stop out and talk to us, say hi, talk some golf, And make sure to follow us on Instagram. We have a Break 80 podcast site. Tim is at Timothy O'Corlett. Jeff's at Break 80 Golf. And I am at Short Sighted Golf. Also, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify. Leave some reviews. Share with friends. uh, Get the word out about the Break 80 podcast. Thanks for listening to episode 19. Today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Break 80